hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. St. Louis's Grove neighborhood has changed a lot in recent years. New residents and new businesses are moving in. It's on the upswing. There's an obvious pattern of gentrification. While neighborhood improvement is a good thing, there can also be a human cost. Our We Live Here team takes a look in its most recent podcast. Reporter-producer Tim Lloyd and contributor Chad Davis, our race and culture fellow, sat down with me yesterday to discuss what's going on in the Grove. Tim began with an overview. Well, you know, I think anybody who drives uh, through that part of the city has seen changes in the last few years. Um, You know, big apartment complexes popping up, new really exciting businesses along Manchester. But also, um, there's been some changes, too. Um, As that development has come in, a lot of longtime residents ultimately get priced out of an area. And often this trend is called gentrification. Um, And... I think that there's a kind of truth that you can get to when you just step back and listen to people who are living in that environment. Mm -hmm. And I think with this particular episode, um, what we wanted to do is step back, collect some stories, and ultimately, I think, assemble a bit of a mosaic, if you will, Mm -hmm. to collectively get at what that larger experience is in that part of the city, especially as it undergoes some pretty significant changes. Chad, you were the collector of uh, many of those stories. Uh, all of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, all of them. Yeah. The, the contributing editor of uh, for, for We Live Here. Uh, what are some of the things that struck you about what you were hearing? Yeah, it was really interesting. There were so many different perspectives, I feel, from the people who live and or work in the Grove. Um, On one case, you had um, several businesses and business owners who they got into the Grove because, you know, it was an up-and-coming neighborhood and the price of rent was affordable. And so, you know, they they got into the Grove for that reason. But then on the other hand, you know, you also had people who – were living in the Grove and have lived there for such a long amount of time. And then some of their accounts were, you know, some had to, um, or or one individual had to move out because, um, you know, it was getting too much um, after the death of her husband. And then also you had other individuals who noticed just like all of the different businesses and the, the cost of going to restaurants and shopping were just increasing. So you had a lot of different perspectives um, from that neighborhood that I thought was were very interesting. Well, they say that a rising tide is supposed to lift all boats. I'm getting the impression that that's not necessarily the case in this uh, gentrification process. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just... Not not everyone, I feel like, is feeling the, the same, you know, ways um, that one, one might expect. I mean, there were just so many different, um, I guess, experiences. And, you know, you had some individuals who really, who, who liked living in the Grove, especially like newer residents. Um, and they, you know... They, they felt that it was an up-and-coming neighborhood, and they went to the neighborhood because of the diversity mm-hmm. in that area. But then individuals also noticed, you know, okay, well, there are some, um, there are some consequences as well to how this neighborhood is changing. Mm-hmm. Tim, uh, it, it seems to me, hearing what's going on in other parts of the country and what you're reporting mm-hmm. on in the group, that gentrification is getting kind of a bad name. Well, I think that that depends on who's doing the talking. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think that I think that there's I have yet to really speak with anyone in an area that's experiencing significant development who has lived there for a long time mm-hmm. who says, I just don't want any development here. I don't want any n- new stuff. No, I mean, people want places to go sh- shop for groceries and sure. and get the things that they need just to, to live their lives and, and transportation too. But there's there's a sort of a, a disconnect that happens where that where oftentimes where that money flows in long time residents who are uh, in a lot of the areas that get the are labeled gentr- gentrified, um, a lot of the time the long time residents are people of color, mm-hmm. and um, and we 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 don't need to go into all the history mm-hmm. there. No. Uh, and so what you get is this sort of situation where people who have lived there for a long time and have maintained a neighborhood, maintained a fabric of a neighborhood, the moment that development comes in, get priced out. So if you can imagine someone who's living, let's say, on a fixed income, um, and their mortgage payment is set at X, but then as property values go up, property taxes go up, and they get priced out, ultimately, of a neighborhood that they've lived in and held together. So, I mean, I I think there's sort of, you know, the, sort of the internal title that we gave this episode was My Messy Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I think it's nuanced. And I think we tried mm-hmm. to get at that, too, where oftentimes people will welcome the development, but they want the development to be fair for people who already live there. Mm-hmm. And that is where the disconnect happens. So, Chad, the Grove is getting whiter. Yeah. To, <laughs> I guess, but frankly, it's kind of what, what's happening. Um, and it also seems to be getting younger as well. You know, I, I think we're seeing... Um, you know, a lot of um, African-Americans who, who have lived there for a while, it's, it's becoming difficult, you know, as far as like Tim said, when it comes to pricing and then, you know, displacement kind of happens, you know, as a result of that. And then you get a, a younger, um, wider crowd typically that, that does come in instead. Where are the people who are being squeezed out? And that's my term. And you may have used it in the piece. I'm not <laughs> sure. But uh, where are they going? Um, you know, one individual I, I spoke with, you know, she actually went to a retirement facility in, in South City. And um, for her, after the, the death of her husband, you know, it was it was a little difficult for her to even take care uh, of her home. So she moved into an area, um, South City Retirement Center. Um, other individuals, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, varies, I feel like. You know, it's I think it's really, you know, wherever the most affordable housing, you know, for them can be is, is really where they where they tend to end up. And this is the kind of thing, Tim, that uh, you and Camille have been uh, mm-hmm. looking at. This creates the kind of conditions that you've been reporting on. Yeah, I mean, it, all this stuff is connected. I mean, we've spent uh, a year taking apart housing and equity and race and class in St. Louis. And yeah, I mean, all these trends are, are sort of deeply woven together. Um, and I think that there is a growing interest in trying to address how housing issues in, in St. Louis. I think one thing that st- sticks out to me, too, when we talk about this particular topic from the season is this notion that often um, St. Louis is promoted as this incredibly affordable place to live. Uh, and that, that can be true, I think, for a lot of middle-income folks, but not for everyone. You know, um, This can be an incredibly expensive place to live, and in an older city, um, where often building conditions haven't necessarily been maintained, 
like St. Louis, um, in, in the more affordable parts of town, just finding suitable, affordable housing is, can be incredibly challenging. And so that when you have situations where people are in neighborhoods where they've lived for a long time, they've built equity in their home, which is a huge way generational wealth is, of course, handed down. When that gets taken away and then you're put into a situation where you can't necessarily find adequate uh, affordable housing, let alone affordable housing next to transit, you can see how these things start to build up over mm-hmm. time. What about the, the politics of it? Are there politicians involved uh, or not getting involved because they see yeah. the values going up? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really get into the, po- you know, the sort of um, intentionally sort of sidestep the, the politics mm-hmm. of it. We just wanted to know the lived experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that oftentimes when we, and I mean, by we, I mean, frankly, the news media go into these type of topics, that's where we start. Well, what do the politicians have to say? And I think we wanted to flip the script a little bit and say, like, what do the people who are experiencing these changes, for better or for worse, have to say? Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we didn't really spend much time, you know, talking about politics or or politicians in this particular episode. Is is there any kind of neighborhood involvement in terms of trying to uh, stem the tide, if you will? Yeah, you know, there are a few things in the Grove or a few um, programs and places um, that are trying to, you know, work to, you know, achieve, I feel like, um, an area where it's more affordable and more very accepting. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I spoke with um, this one group of people. They're called the Midtown Mamas. Um, they're from the Midtown. It's a Midtown um, center, actually, in the Grove. And really what they do is they they work at the community garden. They go on field trips. They try to kind of, you know, um, they, they try to help with the neighborhood. I know they work with City Greens, which is another program for um, getting um, groceries and such. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, you know, work there and trying to make that affordable and available for individuals. There's also um, a church there called St. Cronin, and I actually spoke to the retired pastor there. And he has done a lot of reaching out to individuals in the Grove, and he actually helped out with Midtown uh, Community Services. And uh, for his birthday, he actually, or not birthday, I'm sorry, 50th anniversary as a priest, raised around $125,000 or $150,000 a few years ago to put that into the building and put that into services to actually help out with the community. So there's a lot of just like, I feel like grassroots, just like involvement and and development in the Grove, which was to me really interesting reporting on and finding out about. Well, who comprises the grassroots uh, group? Is it newcomers or the people who have been there for a while? I I think, you know, kind of looking from just like the people that I spoke with, it seemed like a lot of the individuals were people who have been there for the while, for a while. Like the Midtown Mamas, a lot of them, they started going to the program in like the 90s, which is when Midtown Mamas started. But a lot of them were from the area. They might have moved in into from like the 60s or 70s. Um, the priest, I want to say he started in the 2000s as far as preaching in that area. And so a lot of the individuals there are who are, who are helping to, um, you know, keep trying to keep individuals there. They they have been there for a long time and been there for a while. Um, but then you do have um, newer people. Like uh, there is one uh, woman I spoke with. She's a newer resident. She also was kind of aware of the changes that are being named made in the neighborhood. And um, she's 25 years old. She's white, but she understands kind of gentrification and how the neighborhood's changing. And so, you know, she also is kind of looking looking at ways to try to make sure that, you know, 
it is fair and affordable for, for everyone who's there. Tim, what do you think has to happen to make this a, a fairer and more balanced kind of a situation? Well, there's a concept that's out there, and it doesn't, um, it hasn't really, to the best of my knowledge, really taken hold here in St. Louis, but it's called a Com- Community Benefits Agreement. It goes by CBA for short. And essentially what it is is an agreement between um, a sort of a neighborhood entity and developers that say that long and short of it is try to mitigate the negative effects of mm-hmm. develop that development can have on um, residents in a in an area that's being developed de- developed so um, and that can include everything from you know workforce development to different kind of social services funding and I think um, for people who are really concerned with trying to make sure that development doesn't steer its way into gentrification, a CBA is sort of a a tool that is popping up on a lot of people's radar. Mm -hmm. Where do you think it goes from here, Chad? You know, I think really it kind of, I think it still kind of stays with, um, you know, grassroots organizing and just, you know, getting people in the neighborhood involved in order to actually make the, the area, you know, make sure it's welcoming to, for everybody. Um, I think once that happens, I think once you have people young and old from the neighborhood, you know, aware of the different changes and aware of the positive and negative consequences that can happen, you know, I think just learning from that and then just making sure that everyone um, is on that same level and working to make sure that, you know, it is fair is the first step. And I think that's that's where you go. You know, it occurs to me that what may be missing in all of this is some sense of planning. I mean, you get an, a, a, a mm. community like this that all of a sudden sort of spontaneously begins yeah. to, on the upswing, if you will, to become gentrified. But it's like Manchester Road when you drive out west. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the planners were that decided to put all the fast food places <laughs> in. Uh. They, didn't, they didn't think ahead, you know, in places like that. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing, though, and I think that sometimes this gets – missed when we talk about this sort of grouping of topics in St. Louis, is that whether you call it gentrification or urban development, whatever the label you put Mm -hmm. on it, it's not happening nearly at the pace that it's happening in a place like Chicago, Mm -hmm. certainly not like New York or D.C. Um, And in a way, it positions St. Louis to sort of be in front of the game when it comes to figuring out how do you do this fairly, because it's not happening at the rate so there, and, and again, I think back to sort of what we were talking about earlier about <clears throat> the, the rising awareness around these type of development issues and community benefits agreements and all that kind of stuff. I think that there's a rising uh, tide of interest. It's a question, I think, that we'll see what happens, where, how far it gets in a place like St. Louis, where it's not, where oftentimes when gentrification happens in a major city, it happens so fast you can't really stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Chad, you you grew up in St. Louis. You know the change here doesn't happen quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's very true. Um, I I agree with Tim. You know, it is like a, a slower change and a slower shift. Um, just from being here, you can you can definitely see that in, in different neighborhoods, um, especially you know more urban neighborhoods here. Well, gentlemen, let's leave it at that and give folks the opportunity to listen to the latest podcast. Mm-hmm. Tim, where can they get that podcast? Oh, I don't know, Don. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> anywhere you get your podcast. I'm just trying to make that interesting every time. Now. <laughs> and it is, without fail. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you.
This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.